Welcome to Sega Saturn Shiro, the only podcast that brings you pain and agony. Tonight's Shiro's are Nick, Chaz, Peter, and myself, Pat. So before we begin, I'd like to start with some personal updates. I know it's been a while since we've really done an actual podcast, besides the Shiro shows and stuff like that, where we hopped in intermittently. So uh, let's start with uh, you, Nick. What have you been up to in the world of Nick? Taking way too long to make a video that is way too long. Um, like, have we reached like, like, is this like, is this like extended cut? Are we way past extended cut and maybe into like two extended cuts at this point of Lord of the Rings? Not two extended editions, but definitely more than four hours. Um, oh, geez. Yeah, I'm like 80% done with the video editing portion of it. And um, yeah, it it's, you know, looking at the extended editions of Lord of the Rings, uh, the first two were like three hours and some change. Return of the King was just over four. This will be like, a few hairs over four so we've we've gone past the point of no return there um but Are of course out to the guy that took making memorial that that like eight hour review or whatever no no it, this is not going to be longer than an action button review uh okay it, yeah unless you count his early stuff but no it's not going to be that long <laughs> i really hope not um that's fair. I was gonna say should, at this point you should probably break in the pieces or something like the Beatles. I, I know, yeah. <laughs> like, like the a... first, it's like the life and death, the rebirth, and then uh, the end of Virtual Cop and Gellion. Um, but it it's gonna have a giant amount of source material in it. I'm I'm working with the translator who found a bunch of old magazines and TV shows of the era, and um, there's a obviously a ton of stuff about the game itself, but also uh, about the development kit the polygon engine that they were making alongside it this was the first game to sort of use um what sega was making to try to get its their the saturn's development systems up to speed with like the playstation um so there's a lot of stuff just about um sega's history and the history of the saturn itself that basically all the lines that the series i'm doing draws converge at virtua cop um so it 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 should be interesting I, i i hope people like it and i hope that i get it done soon so. Yeah, I imagine this is going to be an exception rather than a rule thing where it's like, this is just because it's Virtual Cop and a Sega license versus I don't think you're going to make another four hour documentary on like a, on like another digital pictures game or, God, no. <laughs> you know, like a, uh, a copy of Steep Slope Sliders. I mean, to right. be honest, if Steep Slope Sliders is in four hours, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to kick you out of Shiro. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's okay. unacceptable. That's fine. Yeah. Video about quarterback attack with Mike Ditka will not be four hours long. <laughs> that's fair. But I'm excited. Any do I dare ask what the ETA is on that, or I mean, or is it when the, it's done? By the time this podcast episode's published, the video should be very close to being done, if not basically done. Um, at that point, I'll just be doing checks since quality assurance stuff, playing through the four-hour-long video to see if there's any spelling errors or audio editing mistakes that need to be fixed. May I um, volunteer for checking the video for correctness? You can, yeah, absolutely. I will. I would. I would love to do that. I'd be honored to <laughs> early watch, access. Watch just, or, <laughs> to, I, I, I'd be willing to volunteer, volunteer for such a task. Uh, uh, a very, very hard task to do to watch one of your videos. Very, very difficult. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Do, it, it, I'm not to squeeze it in, but I'll try to make some time for it. It's going to be painful. Very, very painful. Very. I'm self-sacrificing in a way for that. That's right. Very oh, self-sacrificed kind of person. But anyways, I'm super excited. Joking aside, I'm super excited for the video. I think everyone else you. is going to be. And of course, we'll be going full throttle on promoting it and stuff and getting it out there. I actually kind of want to do a virtual cop like uh, podcast after before or something like a 
Oh, hell yeah. Pump it up. Like, pump you up. Things. <laughs> All right. I'll be able to talk about it. <laughs> That's for sure. I'm also speed running steep slope sliders. That's been fun. Take part. Go to speedrun.com and look at steep slope sliders if you want to uh, submit some runs. Yeah. Try. Can you can you beat Nick? Was it uh, was it? Can you get it? Can you get your score past his? It can inside mine. Inside his inside his <laughs> inside his weakness to get past the score. No. All right. Uh, what about you, Chaz? What have you been up to in the world of what Chaz does? And the game master, the game meister, the spielmeister. What are you gonna call me next, a frame meister? Oh, jeez. No, the the the. Uh, I wouldn't call you something that's outdated and and very expensive and not relevant to the scene anymore. That'd be very rude. Yeah, I've been busy with what I usually do for a lot. If you walk, if you open the promotion channel over on Sega Saturn Shiro, you will see that Prince of Persia Palace almost every other comment because I'm promoting the heck out of myself playing the games that I'm playing. I actually have been, I've actually been pretty quiet as far as playing Saturn stuff as of late. I've been playing a lot of my old favorites. Uh, I kept going back to Wild Arms on the PS1, uh, Star Ocean Second Story. But recently I rotated in uh, Genesis games. I just played Gunstar Heroes. I just played uh, Alicia Dragoon. Um, some few, some couple months back, I did a run of Fantasy Star 4. Uh, yeah, I've just been playing, uh, been playing the old fun stuff that, uh, that I'm so, that I'm so used to and, uh, trying to rotate new stuff in to get more people to come in, which I think is working so far, but yeah, I've been doing the same thing I've been doing. I'm not, I'm not on Facebook anymore. I'm now, I've been streaming over on Twitch for the last, gosh, maybe year or so, give or take. Uh, and when it comes to being here at Shiro, I'm like Reptile from Mortal Kombat 1. I rarely ever show up and you have to meet certain requirements to find me, but I'm always here. Hell yeah. That's, um, I think that about does it for me as far as what I've been doing, just playing games on Twitch and, uh, yeah, still here. Still yeah, doing no, the same yeah, uh, yeah. I always see you hopping in on there and talking on here. You're always here in spirit. So yeah, we're just yeah. been all busy, but no, I see you add to discussions and stuff like that. So I guess I have to start giving clues of when I show up alone is how you will find me. Blocking will get you nowhere. That sort of thing. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Uh, anything else, Chaz? Uh, other than the shameless self-promotion to follow me, if you if you if you'd like, that's all I got. Where where we follow you at? Twitch.tv/slash/gamemasterchaz, all one word. Yeah, you'll 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 find me in there. If you see that Prince of Persia Palace, that's me in the promotion channel. Yep, he, he he's always just playing Prince of Persia now. Yeah, a lot of the times. Yeah, yeah. Chaz, the Prince of Persia game master. I haven't met Jordan Mechner yet. I do want to. That's the only thing left I have to do at this point. Are you going to be doing a full uh, Sansa, uh, the, was it the Sansa Time Trilogy playthrough? You know, this may sound blasphemous, but I've actually never completed the Sands of Time game, believe it or not. The, the, all the series or just all or just the Sands of Time specifically? Um, the rest of the other series. The first two are the ones I go back and forth a lot. The 89 original and then the 93 uh, DOS mm. second game, Shadow and the Flame. I do at one point want to record a back-to-back no-death run of both of those, because I know I can do it. It's just a matter of being patient and getting it done, because sometimes those games just throw something at you that you can't do anything about. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of funny, because every time I hear, I hear about the game discussion, it's always it's always the, the, the Sands of Time series and the GameCube, that, or the, was it the was it on all consoles, GameCube, PS2 and Xbox? I think so. It was definitely multi-platform. 
Yeah, it yeah. was multi-platform. I think it started on the PS2. Quote me if I'm wrong. And then it went, and then it, uh, and then it transferred elsewhere. My heart belongs to the GameCube version of that game. Same. Yeah, but I love, I love that the Sands of Time trilogy. Uh, is that what it's called, the Sands of Time trilogy, or is it like, is it like it's been the like fifteen years since I played it? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't <laughs> I sure what the trilogy official, but uh, you guys know what I mean. Like the, the yeah, three yeah, and the, yeah. the the but sixth yeah, the, gen the, Prince of Persia game. Yeah, sixth gen Prince of Persia, and it's kind Where of funny because I, I don't hear anybody ever talk about the originals, and it's kind of weird that it's the hear that like from you that's like you're all diehard on the originals, but you didn't you don't really play or care much about the 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 three on the sixth gen consoles. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I'm like a FCA with Resident Evil. You know, I like that. T- I like that 2D screen blanking from one area to the other, like the like the like the old games do. I know it's irrelevant. I know it's irrelevant now, and it's hard to sell today. But yeah, I'm. I'm quite the purist on it. Yeah, hey, that's 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 no hate. I, I mean, I feel the same way with Resident Evil, like especially with four. I know a lot of people know my opinion on four is pretty blasphemous. The fact that I don't like it as as a Resident Evil game. Oh, I hate <laughs> it's a fun game, but it's not. It's not a. I don't think it's a good Resident Evil game. But I like the game. It's fun. You played the just, VR Resident Evil four? Uh, no, but I kind of want to now. It's really good. <laughs> it's it's extremely good. It's definitely not like playing a top-down RE, but in its own right, it's a very good time. Did we yeah. get any word about Code Veronica getting the remake? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. The, the the word is it's not getting a remake. Is that's the word apparently? Uh, I wouldn't mind a rebuild of that. I'd like to see what they could do with it. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like I think that might be the, if they do another one. That's probably going to be the next one because like a lot of people are upset, but I get it because yeah, Code Veronica definitely is. I won't say it's the most unpopular, but I think it's probably one of the worst selling ones of the game versions of the game. Like I don't ever remember it having that big fan, big of fanfare when that came out, at, or like even now. I think like, the I Dreamcast crowd really liked it. Like it was one of the darling survival horror games for Dreamcast. Well, the fans people. are definitely there. The fans for yeah. Code Veronica are there. I don't. They're pro- they're not in the numbers of two. I mean, my God. Yeah, or like or like <laughs> two two or four. It's like it's. Insane, but it's like it's. I guess my 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 point is that I don't think it. It was in that weird era where it just didn't have the flair and the finesse that Resident Evil Zero, Resident Evil Remake One brought, or uh, Resident Evil Four. But anyways, like let's let's move on. Uh, do you have anything else, uh, Chaz? Before we go, no, that's it. I have that's all of it. All right, sounds good. What about you, Peter? What have you been up to? I've been playing shmups. And I like them. So it's a genre that I've never really gotten into before for I don't know what reasons, nothing particular really, but I've been definitely giving it more time. I've been playing some Galactic Attack. It seems like a really cool shooter to sort of jump into the world of shooters, right? And uh, like, so, you know, longtime listeners will know that I love playing my Saturn um, on flat screen plasmas because I like the crispy pixel look. Um, so trying to rotate that for Tate mode wasn't exactly easy because I use really large screens, but I did do one just to sort of do a, uh, a sort of a trial with it, and I loved it. Playing in, in, in Tate mode was so, so good. So, you know, it's just been fun, and I've, I've been kind of looking through the games that I have and seeing what other shmups I have that I can get into. I've been trying some uh, Radiant Silver Gun because, of course, I have to um, give that one a try, and I've been just sort of getting more into Cotton and all that. So it's just... Sort of like a, it's almost like a new frontier for me because I've never given the genre the time of day like I am starting to now. So that's kind of uh, my fun little app update. 
Yeah, when you when you said that you that you had issues rotating your plasma screen, for some reason I just pictured you trying to rotate it. It just fell off the swivel stand, smashed to pieces. You spread, breathed the heavy <laughs> Canadian sigh, scooped up the pieces, Canadian and threw it away, sigh. and it's got another one. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, sorry. For some reason, that's what I pictured. Hey Peter, like, what, what broke, does a Canadian sigh sound like? It's, it's like, <laughs> like his sighs, like, <sighs> and he says something like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's uh what's a like a, a Canadian like I, god dang it thing that you that they say. I, I would say like Dagnabit, eh? Dagnabit, you know, like, eh, yeah. <laughs> yes. and, but but when the plasma screen broke, it just like you know like like it's like the, the over the top where it's like sparks shoot out of it and it just like like you know uh melts the screen or whatever and has a small fire. Like that. <laughs> I mean it wasn't quite like that. Hopefully that didn't happen with your plasma screen though. Peter no, just no, calmly no. and Canadianly sighs at the fire inside his own home. It's just a small fire, just like you <laughs> not know, the particularly little, like exasperated, a, yeah. just annoyed at the fire. I mean, There's, he could put yeah. it out. He he knows he could put it out easily. Yeah, there was you know, but but the important thing here that we have to keep in mind is that the experience lit a fire in my heart for these shmups, and this mm. is what this Absolutely. is what we have to yeah so yeah, yeah but other than that that was that's been sort of my my thing i haven't been gaming too much lately just been super busy but yeah it's it's been fun getting into the world of shmups nice shmups I'm, are good. I'm, I'm happy for you right on play darius gaiden when you're done with galactic do that. attack Exa- agreed okay we'll do well, no tate do. mode required it's a it's a horror shmup or or parodius but yeah. don't play a only one you don't play is Steam Hearts. Just avoid that one. You can skip Steam Hearts. Play something better. <laughs> Treat yourself better than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, play the legit hentai so. ones on the PC. There you go, boy. But uh, but yeah, I, I guess for me, they're honestly the updates are kind of hard for me because well, me and Dave because it's like we always do our updates. Like we, I did updates like every week so it's kind of hard to all right we get weekly updates from you now it's yeah like, what have you been up to since friday like <laughs> oh i i guess i worked out yesterday so that was kind of fun we oh, nice. worked out went to uh we went to this place called rtr sullivan's like a irish irish pub we had some i had like a uh was it a chicken uh, uh was it a, a buffalo chicken sandwich that's pretty good i didn't buffalo play chicken, I, yes. yeah it's really good I, I like buffalo chicken it's good hell yeah but yeah uh but yeah just been i guess more personal life face working out uh been trying to play more games it's been hard i've been editing a video for shiro right now let's it should be done it's basically i by the time this releases it's probably gonna be out since i'll edit that then i'll go back to this editing this so basically it's just a video on uh on my sonic 3 review and i made it very uh simple flips-esque so a lot of like weird comments a lot of like you know goddams and stuff like that and a lot of audio edits and dumb clips i'm actually really excited for this not gonna lie so, hopefully <laughs> hopefully it turns out good i i don't know if i'm gonna add flippy effects or like you know the the, the images like uh scrolling across the screen or whatever sure. i don't know if i'm i don't know if i can easily do that or am i good if i'm good enough to do that so i'll have to i'll have to figure out if i can do that and see if it's if be worth the effort to do it but about halfway through the video now it's it's like a 25 minute video so nice but it's it was pretty fun to make. Hopefully in the future, I'm only halfway through it as uh, this recording, but it'll be done by the time I release this. So, uh, yeah. Besides that, um, oh, I'm working on getting a Sound Voltex machine, and I got this cool Sound Voltex marquee that I have for it. And then I got the 
signed copy of uh of Sock Wars 3 from uh BP Husker who said he found it in the game shop. Some game shop was selling it. And he just saw it nice. autographed and they didn't know who it was, but I looked it up and it was uh there's a couple there's some writing on it, but I know one of them's Erica Fontaine's voice actress. And I don't know if it's messages or pers- or maybe more autographs on there, so I'll have to see if I can talk to a Japanese speaker on whose autograph it is or what it says so I can verify uh if it is more signatures or just like a personalized message, because if I had somebody's personalized copy, that'd be kind of weird, but also kind of funny at the same time, yeah. but also kind of sad because it's like, I imagine like this person waited in line at like some convention or something, get her autograph. And it's like, you know, they just like, maybe they sold it or they didn't want it anymore. It's like, I don't know. I get emotional. I get really emotionally invested in stuff like that when I probably shouldn't, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Anybody else feel that way? Yeah, sometimes with some things, right? Like, you just do, and you get attached to it, and, you know, it means a heck of a lot more to you than it does maybe to the average person, but that's okay. That's totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. But the the Erica Fontaine autographed copy is now in safe hands and will not leave my safe, will not leave my safe hands, so I'm very happy about that. I got emotionally attached to Genwar, a bad first-person shooter that didn't, you know, score well at all. So, you know, yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Just want to make sure I'm not I'm not being too emotionally weird about that. So, but uh, yeah. Besides that, that's uh, about it from me. Alrighty, so for today's game, we decided to focus on not just one game, but actually two. Mostly because uh, I think it'd be weird if we just did the one and not the second one, because there's only two games in the series, and they're both on Saturn. One of them released in America, and one of them not. And that game is, of course, the amazing Dragon Force 1 and 2 on the Sega Saturn. And we're not talking about the band that uh, was in several guitar games that made you put you through fire and flames this game puts you actually through fire and flames and a storm of swords almost now we're getting game of thronesy mm-hmm. uh so sorry dragon force one was developed by j-force and sega and this is kind of an interesting story so j-force was founded by mashahiro ashino in 1990 and the company went through several uh, financial difficulties through its time until 1996 when it folded and the development it was actually in the midst of development for dragon force when it was uh, shifted to in-house at Sega after the founder actually went missing and remains missing to this day. I didn't know that. That's wild. <laughs> I did not know that either. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I didn't either. I was looking on, a, on the information for it, and it's like, yeah, it's... Where'd you read that? That's insane. <laughs> a couple different places, Satakori, a few other development places about the game, but uh, yeah. Holy um... <laughs> That's unreal. Yeah, so uh, development then shifted to Sega in-house, and they finished the game. And then, uh, of course, Mashiro Akishino is you know still missing to this day. So uh, hopefully he's alive and well somewhere and not uh, not in some forest. I wish we could have got him on as a special guest. Like That would have been the ultimate podcast reveal if we oh, yeah, had found, found him. Found him? Wow. And... and- put him on as a special guest i was no imagining him no like in a, in a cabin <laughs> all disheveled with a long beard it's like after years i can finally talk about my project in this game it's like you know it's been almost 30 years and it's like nobody really 
I just want to know why he's still missing. That's yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, probably tax evasion and owing people money. That could be, but uh, that's that's just my guesstimation. That's what I would do, anyways. Uh, but who knows? He might be one of our neighbors. You know, he could be living near us and living a happy life as somebody else, maybe at a Cinnabon, uh, uh, maybe ranking as a manager of a Cinnabon or something. You know. <laughs> Decent retirement, decent, you know, you know, witness protection plan. Yeah, exactly. You know, me. So the localization was done by Working Designs, which uh, was done seven months after the Japanese release. And I couldn't really find much info on the process, just that they picked up the game and translated. It's just kind of a sadness that uh, it was one of the titles that was ignored by Sega and sh- and shipped off to Working Design. Well, I just really if Working Designs didn't even want to do it, they would have never released it in the first place. So. Uh, I guess kudos for working designs for picking it up and translating it, even though Sega didn't care to translate their own games, which is kind of bizarre to me. Like, nowadays, they have to do it in-house, but back then, it's like, yeah, just take this game. We're not going to do it, or at least for Sega in America. Yeah, they were super sensitive. Like, I was doing some research for other games, actually, and at the time, not just Sega, but any of the companies, they were super sensitive with what they brought over to the West, because the gaming market in general was so much smaller. And so if you brought over a game that would tank and, and, you know, not sell, then, you know, your risk was way, way higher than it is now. And so they were just super, super conscious of that kind of stuff. And so it was up to small companies like Working Designs to pick up some of the more obscure games or some of the games that weren't quite, you know, mainstream. And so those guys were left taking sort of more of the risk on. But, you know, good on Working Designs for picking this one up because it's obviously like a complete Saturn classic. Exactly. It's it's a ton of fun, and I think it uh, it really went on to inspire a lot of other games, even though it was technically inspired by another game, which we'll talk about here shortly. But anyways, did you guys have any other info on the development or anything you'd like to share? Any thoughts on the development cycle? Just some brief release date research. Um, so this came out on December 13th, 1996. Um, the Manual for Shining Wisdom, which was released in June of that year, said that Dragon Force should be available, quote, eight to ten weeks from now. Uh, it obviously got very much delayed. That would have had it out in September, but it instead came out on December 13th when Vic himself of Working Designs posted to Usenet on that day saying it shipped out. It, it makes me wonder if they delayed it for the holiday season almost. Kind of. I mean, it's it my... a bit late for the holiday season, though, December. My best guess is it just took them longer to translate it than they anticipated. I mean, Magic Knight Ray Earth, that was a working designs joint. The Japanese version came out in 1995. And in North America, it was the last game to come out in the region. Took them over three years for them to finish that. Yeah. Of course, they had some other issues with that that I'm not 100% familiar with. But there's like some write-ups online about the weird junk they had to put up with to finally localize that. So different story. But. Yeah, from what I read, from what I read about Nick, uh, if you don't mind me chiming in, uh, from what I understand, according to the translation notes, there was a, a huge chunk of source code that was lost and had to be completely right. rebuilt for That's the North American was. version. Yep. And here's some funny info that you can find on the cutting room floor, tcrf.net. It, according to the translation, they cut out a lot of the, the dialogue because they thought it slowed down the flow of the game. But funny enough, all of the original Japanese voices are still intact on our North American disc, despite the so-called claimed extra space they got. So <laughs> I don't know how that worked. But yeah, rolling back, nice. just WD, in fact, earned the nickname Working Delays during their lifetime. 
because of the constant delays of their games that they were localizing. Why so many of them got held back? You got to ask Vic. I'm not the person who would know that, but that was an unfortunate trend uh, for the games they were working on. Just we're going to have it out at this time, but they know it gets held back again. I don't know. My thoughts is I wonder how much process that is shared between fan translators and the and the guys that are working designs, and if uh, maybe they actually used a lot of the techniques that you know fan translators today use. Sort of like a, I, I consider it sort of like reinventing the wheel almost. But to be fair, you can't really reinvent the wheel when the schematics of the wheel are lost to time, and you can never figure out how the wheel was made in the first place. So you have to make your own wheel that's reinvented because you had nothing to base it off of. So I guess the analogy is kind of a little bit weak, but I guess you guys know the point I'm making is that it's a. It's kind of funny, at least to me, that I, I think that maybe that this reinvent this necessarily reinventing the wheel didn't need to happen. Yeah, working designs delayed a lot of games, and uh, it's a bit of a sadness, but uh, I wonder if their struggles compared to like fan translators is in the same vein and that same note. I bet it was. like So I'd read a lot about how working designs translated their games back in the day, and a lot of it had to do with hiring like college students who were learning Japanese and whatever or who could speak Japanese. And it was sort of, you know, that kind of translation process. And then of course it's, you know, how do you adapt humor that works in Japan to something that would work in North America? And in some games they would take it a little bit overboard. I don't think Dragon Force was a case where they had a dodgy translation. I thought the translation in Dragon Force was actually quite solid. It certainly seemed clear cut. Yeah. There was nothing that stuck out as dumb. And, and really like the dialogue windows on the screen they're only two lines long so you only have so much space to fit stuff in so you know it could have also been a spacing issue um where you just didn't have the room to you know especially with english being a longer looking language you didn't have the room to sort of inject a lot of humor but but yeah like i i I almost wonder whether it was tougher even to translate those games back then than it would be for fan translators now like at least now you've got you know you've got the internet you've got all kinds of resources at your fingertips and what have you and that that just wasn't there back in the mid 90s no google translate no deeple nope Nope. just just a good old japanese english dictionary and uh lots of hopes prayers and duct tape yep Alrighty. So uh, with the gameplay, I thought it was interesting that it was uh, on the on the surface level, it seemed inspired by Ogre Battle. So the on the overworld, the way that, you know, the objective is to take over all the kingdoms and move, you know, take over the entire map, essentially. And I thought it was interesting, you know, but that once you get into the, the deeper mechanics, it changes a lot. So basically with the game, you have to select an army to venture out and then keep units behind and make a make them protect the castle and make sure nothing happens or is taken over. And I think it's interesting that it's a, it has a little bit deeper in that you have to control a armada of units. So you have an army per se. So like a bunch of uh, a bunch of sort of uh, troopers behind you. And it's very awesome. I know uh, hopefully I'm sort of on the nose with that. Probably am I pretty good with that? I know Chaz probably could explain a little bit better, right? Yeah, to, yeah. To summarize, pick a nation, unite the whole continent so that everyone's a big family, and then go after Madrick, who's the big evil. Yeah, and I, I think I think one of the coolest things is you can actually talk to people and negotiate instead of like fighting them. And be like, I surrender, but 
in all honesty, I, I tried doing the mechanic, but maybe I might have been doing something wrong because every time they would do it, they would like stop and they just turn around and fight me again. It's like, you just surrendered. Why would you do that? Like, I don't you know. know what? I never tried that when I played through the game. When I encountered an enemy army, that's it. Gloves off. Let's go. <laughs> just fist fight him right away. <laughs> Chaz just choosing violence consistently and progressively, which I appreciate it. Well, only because whenever there, that feature is in a game, when it works, it works great. But from my personal experience, it never works for me. Like even when I try to, you know, just negotiate peace with the other enemy in question. No, they always want to fight. So now I'm just like, you know what? Take the gloves off. Let's go. I tried that <laughs> too. They just didn't work. So I'm like, all right, fine. Okay, so that's that's just not me <laughs> doing fight. something wrong because I could not, for the life of me, I could not like I tried to give them a chance, but they just kept coming at me. It's like, all right, I guess I'll kill you then. I'm sure there's like a proper pacifist way of playing it. I I haven't figured it out. That's for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, you have to choose the renegade option and punch reporter in the face for this game, per se. But besides that, I thought the gameplay is really fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, what do you, what are you guys thoughts on the gameplay of it and when you're playing that, keep a clock nearby. You're going to lose track of time if you're enjoying it. Yep. It's That clock is going to roll so fast. And I'm not talking about the weekly domestic affairs. That game is going to suck you in if you're enjoying it. It's going to go by real quick. I think it's pretty clever how they did it, too, because the first few weeks, obviously, in, in game, go by really fast because you're kind of getting to grips with what you're doing and maybe sending out a small little army to conquer a castle or whatever. And so... You know, the in-game weeks go by very fast, but once you're really into the game and you're sending out multiple armies and fighting multiple battles on multiple fronts, you know, that clock, like entire weeks can take, you know, hours and hours of gameplay before you get to the next domestic affairs. So it's kind of, it's, it's a false sense of, it lulls you into, hey, this isn't too bad, but then the weeks get longer and longer. So, so you're right, Chaz, you absolutely have to keep an eye out on the clock, definitely. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, assuming we're going by original hardware here, I think you can only save your game or suspend it on the map if you're using a, a cartridge. Apparently, you can't save the game in system memory while you're on the map. I just remembered that. Uh, it's, one, it's, one of the, it's one of those yes. big boy games. Yeah, I, as a pseudo-Saturn yes. user, I ran into that issue, too. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can save the, you can play the game just fine with system memory. You can, if, yeah. It's certainly not a deal breaker. Yeah, yeah but if, you, just, if, if yeah, if you got to go to work or something, like, what are you going to do? Just let the Saturn sit there? Like, no, you got to suspend the game. <laughs> yeah, yes. and, and that's sort of sort of a really sad thing. And one of the issues with the pseudo Saturn stuff is that while it's cool and it lets you play those games, like, there are some games that you know you really need to like, you, like you can't even do a thing where it's like, oh, I'll just move it afterwards. You actually have to need to put it on cartridge memory to be able to save it, which is a that bit of a shame, really. That brings me to the next to a question. What about the satiator? What if you were running the game that way? Could you get access well, to the cart then? You know, I I used a satiator, but I had a pseudo Saturn cart in it, um, so that was I always kind of always leave it in there because I'm frequently uh, using it for other. But stuff. But it can be done though. It can be done with the satiator if you have a RAM cart that's just there for memory. Then yeah, you can totally like save to your cartridge. Okay, so that is an option. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's an option. Uh, I, I think the thing that you can, you could do is like for games like that, just insert the memory the memory card and just put that in there. Yep. And just uh, basically just use that as the and save for that because I don't think Dragon Force requires RAM or even takes advantage of the RAM. I don't think right. No, no, it doesn't. No, no RAM expansion that I know of. So yeah, so you can just do that in the Switch games because I only I think all the games that do require the cartridge are 
or big enough that need the cartridge, I think you can just you know put it on a memory card or like just put it on a memory card. You don't have to use it. Doesn't require RAM, so you can just use the memory in that. Isn't it mostly fighting games that use the RAM expander, like Street Fighter Zero Three or King of Fighters? I think. Yeah, so pretty seems much. like most of them are. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, okay. what it does take advantage of is the graphics hardware on the Saturn for how it handles two D sprites. Um, uh, particularly in battle scenes where you have the VDP to ground layer stretching, you know, basically into the horizon mm-hmm. and then the technological the, prowess of the motherboard is able to load a million dudes fighting each other on this map in real the time. The infinite plane trick, like what you see kind a lot mode in, seven, like what you see a lot in, uh, in, in PD saga. Yeah, exactly. It just, like it just goes forever. Yep. <laughs> So they're using that and just dumping in a giant amount of sprites to have where you, where you can watch your the two armies just duke it out in real time. It's it's incredible. Uh, great use of the hardware for Dragon Force. I wonder uh, what that game would have been if it had used RAM expansion. And if we got RAM expansion over in North America, I can only imagine. It probably would be insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like uh, It's already insane as it is with all the sprites on the screen. I can't imagine like what they could have done. Maybe they doubled or tripled that almost. Have you ever seen two generals with a hundred soldiers or a hundred units on each side in that game? That's it's a lot. Pretty that's insane, a, yeah. That's kind of hard to play. I can't to. imagine how much data is getting processed <laughs> with all those sprites on the screen at once. And you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because it's it's relatively smooth as well. Surprisingly oh, yeah. enough, I never had any frame rate issues. I mean, maybe I just didn't notice them, but yeah, it, it looked good pretty consistently yeah but i've really enjoyed it i i really enjoyed that that aspect of that and that's what i want to talk about uh this game a lot of great visuals for sure like all the the famous the sprite work all the 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 graphics of the 2d art it just looks great it's like a it's almost like a spiritual success to ogre battle which is ironic because there's also another spiritual success to ogre battle as well even though and there's a sequel to ogre battle it's not even related to it so it's, it's a weird situation too if you think about it that way well, I found the sprites to be, well, and the backgrounds and everything, like the colors were really kind of on point. They were mm-hmm. solid. They popped. The anime look of the characters was very consistent throughout. You know, it, it was just, it, it had a very sort of polished visual sort of flair to it. Even the sort of pre-battle screens were very sort of nice, attractive, compact. Um, and so it just presentation wise it was just phenomenal it was really good it was it really showed something unique that the saturn had that at the time the playstation didn't have definitely agree with that you, you, you're not going to see stuff like that on ps1 and if you are it's not going to look that good everyone always says that the saturn is a 2d powerhouse and that's that's essentially true is it is a 2d powerhouse it's amazing yeah. graphics are amazing spreads are amazing i love the visual of this game i mean what do you do you guys have any other thoughts on the visuals of this it just looks fantastic. That's mm-hmm. all I can say. I actually got a brand new TV that I would love to see see it up on there. I can't imagine how good it's going to look. I already like how it looks in my head. <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty, yeah, like a friend of mine locally has a BVM, like the D32s, like the 32-inch uh, BVMs. And next to it, he had a Sony C, I think CX with the RetroTINK 5X. And this is going to probably sound the, the most blasphemous thing I ever heard out of my mouth. But I thought the OLED with the the RetroTINK the 5X blew that BVM out of the water in terms of the visual look, the 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 organic look of the pixels. It looked it looked it looked like the pixels would literally cut your eyes in half. It yeah. like yeah. like that was the brightest I've ever seen any television ever. Like OLED is like my new bay. I love I love it and. 
honestly, if the CRTs die out and OLEDs are what we have to replace it, uh, it's going to sound blast, but I mean, I could probably live. That being said, if you CRTs. are a, a happy CRT owner, uh, Dragon Force will look terrific on it. Um, exactly. It will exactly. look really good. And it certainly did on, uh, I, I played this on my, my Sony PVM. It's a 14-incher, but it still just looked spectacular. It blew Cut it. those eyes right out of your head. Absolutely, yeah. Burn them right out. It was great. Yeah, I'm running 1080p over through the 5X on a QLED 55-inch 4K Ooh. 120 hertz that I just picked up. Ooh. And it, it fills, the, it, the, the screen fills the whole room as it is because I got a really tight space there yeah, yeah. as far as where to put my TV. Like it's butting the wall on the shelf. But yeah, you could cut diamonds with those pixels. The one thing we haven't mentioned about the visuals of the game is like the main generals all have like two or three magic spells. And those are pretty spectacular too, you know? Yeah. Watch Again, the colors just pop or like that those sonic waves or sonic booms or whatever that just slice through entire swaths of enemies and no slowdown really ever and so it's just really phenomenal and i have to say too i enjoy the fact that these spells as uh spectacular as they are they don't take forever to animate like some certain final fantasy games and whatever where you're spending 30 seconds looking at an animation they just kind of go and they just cut through and they're pretty they're pretty wild so it's another sort of feather in the cap for that game visually no i i agree with you that's one thing i actually have issues with with final fantasy is the attacks animation that goes on for 50 50 seconds and it's like uh can you just kill the man or like the the guy's like just like uh was it suplexing a bus or a train it's like can we just like move on this guy just shoots the waves kills it okay let's go miming knights of the round du- double summon oh jeez. Yeah. yes yeah i mean exactly. uh, thank you for the dps it's amazing dps but oh my god just round up the number already yeah yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm definitely glad that the game moves relatively fast and gets to the point per se like you send the units in they attack you know you defend it's like a cool battle sequence and it doesn't like playing the spells or playing the Special attacks don't take away from that speed of it. It's not like super managing menus. It's like attack, the attack, you defend, defend, shoot the laser, shoots it off. There's no like mass delay. And that's what I like about this game is that it it moves consistently. The only issue I have is that whole thing with the, like when you talk to them and it's like, it like has you go on the screen or like you try to like diplomatically like talk to them, but they just keep attacking you. Or like you just get attacked on all fronts, and it's like you every time you exit out of the menu, you get into another battle. It's like, oh come on, let me just manage something before I do this. I want to mention the backgrounds as well. So if you take over a castle, the next time you fight or defend that castle, the castle of course will be decked out in your country's livery and your colors and everything like that. So that's really neat, and that's where the majority of the battles occur. But you can also have fights sort of in the countryside or in little towns and villages, right? Those little sort of waypoints in the middle of the map. And some of those, especially the if you have battles in between two points, some of the backgrounds are actually not super common to see. So if you happen to be fighting over sort of like a deserty area, then your background will be, you know, that that lovely uh, sort of golden desert with shifting sands in the foreground and everything. So a lot of folks who don't necessarily do battles uh, sort of outside their castles, you know, will miss those backgrounds. So there's a lot of really neat uh, visual graphics in the game for sure. Yeah, for the first time in the game, I actually saw the uh, swamp background, and I'm almost never over there. Or when I do go into that path, because I think that's where Gongos' domain is, 
if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. When I'm traversing that path, I, I usually almost hit a castle. I never hit anyone in between, so I almost never get to see that backdrop. Yeah, like it's cool. Like the desert for the first time was a big thing for me, and so was like there was this ice icy landscape in Junon's area, like if you fight between castles. So, and I, I, I honestly think that a lot of people miss those backgrounds completely because of the way the game flows and how you progress and everything, but they're there. So it's, it's a cool thing. So I want to go into the music a little bit and talk about that. Uh, the music was uh, composed by the renowned composer Tatsuyuki Maeda, whose other works included Golden Axe 3, A Stall, Skies of Arcadia, Sonic Advance 1, and, 1 through 3, and The Night's Journey into Dreams. It's quite so, a resume. Yeah, very good resume. I love the Skies of Arcadia soundtrack. It's one of my favorite ones. So the Astal soundtrack is probably my favorite of of this person's work for sure. I mean, Dragon Force's soundtrack kicked ass too. Not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, it really fantastic soundtracks for all the games he's worked on, and you can actually hear the Skies of Arcadia stuff within the main theme of it, which I really enjoyed. I love the theme of that game. So yeah, the music was really great. I love all the music of the backgrounds, the opening theme, the overview, over, overtures. Like, what were your guys' thoughts on the music? Well, when are we going to patch in Dragon Force, the band, as the soundtrack? Uh, I think that's another group that's working on that. They'll be okay. one of their Friday drops. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass on that. We're looking forward to it. I thought, like, to be honest, I thought the music was so appropriate. Like, it was very dramatic and mm-hmm. grandiose. And, oh, yeah. Like, it just really fit, right? You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't flat. It was, you know, very evocative anyway. So I thought, he, he, you know, he really matched the music well to the theme of the game. And so it stands out. It's quite memorable. You never notice the music for the wrong reasons, if that, if that makes sense. You know, it fits sure, super well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Got the good music. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. Soundtrack sounded really great. I loved love the soundtrack and yeah, I kinda wanna put it on my uh put it on my personal uh music players to listen to while I'm walking around and pretending I'm fighting people as a general. <laughs> You're gonna have one hundred pats following you around. <laughs> Alright, so do we have any additional thoughts on uh the game before we move on? The only additional thought is this is one of the games that got a terrific Segata Sanshiro commercial. Um, And leading up to this point, we had seen many commercials where Segata himself personally just decimates giant groups of people and armies and stuff. Just one guy. And in the Dragon Force, this is probably the most frightening ad with Segata because the end of it, you see like 200 Segatas going, yeah, and they all like go running at like, you know, whatever the enemy is. Um, imagine imagine going to the supermarket and seeing that rush at you because you picked up a PlayStation. You'd be dead. You'd be dead before <laughs> any of them even touch you. You just get a heart attack. Like no one's no one's living through that. That's the greatest force of nature mankind has ever witnessed is 200 Segatas running across the desert. Exactly. It's like after the salt, all that's left is a broken, disheveled PS1 controller. <laughs> exactly. Bu- like it, it like focuses on the buttons. It's like just like glaring to the sunlight as the, the chipsets melted under the friction of their footsteps. It's just like one top shell that's like slightly burnt off. So I want to kind of sum up my thoughts on this game, and then I want to transition to Chaz because I want to see sort of you pick up on what I'm uh, going to be talking about because you've played this game to no end. And so have I. I've actually managed to finish the game with all generals, 
When you first start the game, you can select any kingdom except for two. There are two kingdoms on the map that are quite important to the storyline of the game, and you cannot select them right off the hop. But as soon as you've got a, a complete file, like a, a clear file in your memory, on your next playthrough, you can select those, and those are the kingdoms of Fandaria, Tradnor Kingdoms. Anyway, so there's a storyline component to the game, of course, but uh, just overall thoughts. I thought the game was super important at the time that it came out on the Saturn, because of course the Saturn at the time was taking a beating at the hands of Sony uh, and the PlayStation, and this was a game that sort of came out, Working Designs did it, everybody knew at the time anyways that Working Designs only put uh, published on the Saturn. This was a game that was only available on the Saturn and it ended up getting rave reviews. Like a, it ended up winning like, you know, game of the month awards and all the rest of it at the time of its release. So it got a lot of really good publicity. It was a big seller for working designs at the time, which was great because of course they published, you know, smaller niche titles. So it was good uh, for them financially. And it was just a very solid sort of first entry. I don't think a game quite like that had ever been done before and it really really sort of hit like i know a lot of people that was or i shouldn't say a lot but some people criticized it that eventually you know it boils down to just a quick game of paper rock scissors in how you position your troops and what troops you use and what strategies you use but i think to be honest it's a lot deeper than that and there are sort of little bits and pieces that if you really delve into the game, you can pick up on. Like, for instance, there is a character in the sort of southern part of the map called Xanon, and he's got his own castle and he's independent. And, you know, no matter what you try to do, you can't seem to kill this guy. He just keeps coming back. And so... Um, depending on which kingdom you fight as there's different ways that you know this ends in some scenarios you end up killing him permanently in other scenarios you sort of free him from you know without any spoilers you free him from an evil influence and then he sort of disappears and there's even one character that you can be one kingdom that you can be where he actually joins your force so it's neat to see the different permutations of that and there's also little sort of annoyances if you want to call them that where characters like pain and agony continue to come back every couple of weeks and they sort of randomly spawn on you know uh, on the world map and so you've got to kind of make sure that you're relatively secure no matter where your castles are because these guys can spawn behind enemy lines so to speak so you know it's got a lot of like interesting little nuance to that little tiny side stories you can find secret generals that can command troops like dragons there are not too many of them but if you find them they'll give you a big advantage so you know there's there's a great deal of depth to this game i think and i think that's part of what makes it so amazing and just the the amount of nations you can pick from gives it like an amazing replay value so with all of that said i kind of want to get your take Chaz, because like you've invested a lot of time in this game as well so i just want to kind of hear your brain dump on all of this yeah this was actually my uh my first saturn game when i started getting back into this in 2006 nice story it was actually a christmas present for me that year and it's the uh it's the wayne and tira cd art variant so it's the most common variant of them all if you're uh, if you're into that sort of thing but funny enough i actually did not know peter that you could in fact uh free Xanon from a curse or even recruit him in one of the uh in one of the general stories so that's some neat information there because he, he was always like that mosquito that just never goes away no matter how many times you swipe at him no matter how many times you just stomp him or hit him with the hit him with the electric tennis racket he always comes back so eventually i just learned to ignore him but now that i know that that something can be done with it that's that's a that's pretty cool but yeah um that was the first one i that was the first one i had in the now huge library of saturn games so that one i played a lot 
And once I had gone over the manual a couple times and gotten the hang of how the game works, that's pretty much when I got hooked and I wasn't playing anything else for quite some time. And like most, Wayne was my first uh, was my first general that I played through because he's really good for beginners because he's nicely tucked away in the uh, little lower yep. right-hand corner so you can just move out kind of smoothly and learn how the game works. And then I went to McCall, then I went to Junon. And funny enough, those are the only three that I've actually played through. I still need to do the other five, you know, just for the sake of, you know, enjoying the game for everything that it has to offer. But yeah, that was me uh, having a Saturn hooked up to an hooked up to a, an old crappy Magnavox CRT with RF. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I was actually using RF at the time. Of course, I've sworn I swore that off years ago. Now I'm all, you know, 1080p, 4K upscale, RGB. You know, uh, I've evolved a lot over the last 15 years, but. Talking about video connections aside, that that was the one game that I stuck with a lot. Not only because it was the only one I had, but because, heck, it was just fun to play anyway. A matter of, you know, kind of like playing Capture the Flag, if you will. Although, really, it was a matter of you know, getting the whole continent united and learning effectively how that's done. You know, when do, I, when do I attack this castle? Or should I stop my troops right here? Or how can I ambush this guy? You know, because there was a lot of questions that I had that made me do a lot of... Uh, on-the-fly thinking, strategizing, which really heightened the replay value for me because you know, first time I play that, first time you play any game, you don't know what's going to happen. So there was a lot that I didn't know what was going to happen. And that kept me on my toes and what really heightened the replay value for me. Honestly, I, I want to also point out that you actually did a video for us about Dragon Force, which I thought was really in interesting. The video I did in question was to just you know get the ball rolling, just get you started, because I know a lot of people who will try the game and We've had this conversation with others before. They're like, yeah, I want to play it, and uh, I think it's good, but uh, I don't know how to play it. And that's that's a very common issue with this game. You're not alone. I had to read the manual a couple times myself, but that video that I made in question all those years ago when I was pointing the camera at the TV. <laughs> hey, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. Once you know what you're doing, the game flows really, really nicely, and it becomes no different than brushing your teeth. You'll ask yourself, well, that was, that was easy enough. How come I had trouble before? But yeah, that video was just, here's how to play. Here's how to get the ball rolling. Here's how to get going. Have fun. Do you know that even all these years later, we still direct folks to the uh, to that video? Because you're right, it's such a good little sort of beginner. How do you get into the game? And it, a lot of people are super grateful for it. So, yeah. It actually is one of our highest rated video, highest viewed videos too. Are you kidding? Yeah, wow. it's pretty high up. Let me see if I can get the uh, get the exact number of what it's sitting at now, but I That's think it's fantastic. in the thousands by the check. Well, I'm not surprised. Yeah, because then, then I also shared that strategy. Like, I'm going to okay, stop your troops right here in the fight and just pick them off, you know? I don't know. It's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. One on one, it's sitting about uh, 2.6K views. Oh, nice. <laughs> your, your Dragon Force tutorial strategy guide. God, what, how old is that? When was that uploaded? That was uploaded in March 6, 2018. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> We're still Over getting videos years. like from six months ago, uh, like six months ago to a year. So we're getting lots of comments on that. I got to record more stuff for you guys. I miss this. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should Yo, record definitely. some more guides and stuff for games like that. I know people are actually maybe, up... maybe just do a rebank of that, except like what you have now. It's like, uh... with your current technology. It's going to be on exhibition. my channel, but I can share the video with you. I actually have a complete video recorded video playthrough of PDS with a 100% end result. Even though I did that for Shiro all some time ago, 
Now it's properly captured the way I wanted it from the beginning, but couldn't have it at the time because my PC couldn't have it. You pull the Mr. George Lucas now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only joking. You, you actually made it. You didn't like take it down and like add in special effects like gunshots. And oh, stuff. G- oh, geez, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You've erased the puppet Jabba the Hutt from the Panzer Dragoon video. Recolored the lightsaber. Is it? Isn't that? Uh, isn't that some sort of sort of other controversy? Like, oh, the lightsaber's not the right color. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they 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 colored the lightsaber weirdly because like the lightsaber was like a weird color. For uh, I when well, I'm not gonna get in the stores that much because there's just like a different Obi Wan color on the. I think the first one he fought Darth Vader is like a white weird color, versus the blue it should be. I don't remember honestly. I don't really care too much, but I I think that's what it was. So now that we have talked about the first Dragon Force game, why don't we talk about the second one? Uh, so Dragon Force 2, Kami Sarishi Daichi Ni, or Goddess of Mercy, Death, and Destiny. This was developed by Sega and Chime Corporation and released at the, the end of the Saturn's life cycle on April 2nd, 1998. So you know what that means, boys? No translation. No localization. Exactly. No none, localization for none this. None whatsoever. None existing. Localization equals non. But uh, for a little bit back on Chime Corporation, they have developed... Uh, they actually developed... A, recently, they did a Made in Abyss game. I don't know if it's released yet for, uh, I think, the Switch and stuff. That was the most recent game. But they also worked on the Napple Tale on Dreamcast, uh, the first day on Ropa game, and then uh, Zero Time Dilemma, and a lot, lot more. But those are the two that was ported up. Um, sadly, that like I said, we said this done by localization as it was released in the dead period of Saturn in the U.S. and EU. So the was the quote unquote "not our future" era of the Saturn. Is that the good way to describe it? Yeah, yeah. perfect way. Yeah. There was like what seven games that came out in '98, eight, six. Hang on, nope, I have the number here. It's eight. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I know five era. of them. What were the other three, Nick? If you don't mind me asking, the f- eight I got. NHL 98, Daytona, Netlink Edition, Winter Heat, House of the Dead, PDS, Burning Rangers, Shining Force 3, and uh, Magic Knight. Okay. All right. Shining Force 3 came out that late? Yeah. For North America, at least. I mean, it might have come out earlier in Japan, but... I mean, I get that. It's considered part of the Final Five in North America. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Yep. The the Final Eight, if you want to count that year but it's definitely in the last five it is the third to last north american saturn game but yeah um so this game luckily even though it did not get a a localization got a fan translation in 2016 in january it was uh translated uh by uh kevin walters false wolf 645 and sand slice thank you yeah Yes, thank you. And then the project programmer is well known in the Saturn community, uh, who is the ever famous Noah Steam, who worked on the Soccer Wars fan translation in 2019. So thank you, 
Once again, no esteem for making all our dreams come true. Certificates are in the mail for marriage. But yeah, uh, I thought this this one was kind of interesting. It had, even though it it had the same gameplay elements, maybe it might have just been me, but it felt slightly different. It I don't know. Maybe for those of you that played it, it seemed kind of more. What's the word I'm looking for? It seemed more plain. Is that a good way to describe it? The, the art just I don't know. To me, it didn't feel the same, but the gameplay was really similar. It felt a little bit more tighter and more main mainstream, though. They felt uh, they fixed my biggest issue, and that's moving the units once you select the general. Because for mm -hmm. some reason, I don't know, maybe you guys had the same issue, but in the original game, when you selected units to move, you actually had to reselect a menu to select them to move after you select the units to roll out. But this game, you can just select them, then move them instantaneously, but... They fixed that in this game, so that was a lot of big lights, big lifesaver. But uh, this one also felt a lot tougher for some reason. Like I lost, I like the first boss. I lost a ton of people against because it's he was just so difficult. The hundred unit like goblin army. Uh, maybe that was just me. The, I think I uh, said you played it, Peter. Yeah, so I played it extensively with several characters. Although I have to admit, I've not yet finished it with anybody, but I've gotten very far. Um. So, yeah, it's like you said. So it's almost like they took the first Dragon Force and looked at any sort of issues with the, the interface that they could fix up, and they did fix it. So the menus are a little bit more streamlined. There's some quality of life improvements. So, for example, I don't know if you knew this, Pat, but you know how in the first Dragon Force, if you're moving uh, an army from one point to another, you kind of have to watch as it slowly moves across the map. Well, there's actually like a fast button in Dragon Force 2. So you click, I think it's the Y button, I think, and then it activates fast mode and everything kind of goes a lot quicker uh, on the map. So that, you know, so there's quality of life improvements. Um, the overworld map also kind of scrolls very, very choppy in the first game, but it scrolls smooth as butter in number two. But you know what you just said about the way the game looks? I agree. 100%. You could tell the art style is different. It's still an anime art style. It's still consistent throughout, but it's not quite as good. And it's a heck of a lot sort of darker and muddier looking. Like, whereas in the first game, the colors were really bright and vibrant and popped. In the second one, you're going to notice that they're just. They're just kind of darker. They, they look darker, kind of like the games of sort of the 1998 Saturn era look. They all looked kind of more muted, more muddy, and, and just darker exactly. in general. That's exactly right? what I was trying to get for. It looked very muted. The colors, it didn't have that bright vibrancy. It felt like, you know, yeah, like you said, it felt like just a, like a, like a, like a regular game of the time. It just felt kind of vanilla almost. There wasn't yeah. really yes. anything that stood out. But, I mean, it, didn't, it doesn't take away from the game. Just to me, it just... It felt it was a bit saddened that they made all these changes, but then they sort of tanked the art style and and a bit. Yeah, and like even like the spell effects, I found they weren't all that much different from the first game. They still got executed the same way, whatever, but they just didn't look as impressive. You know what I mean? They just looked. It's almost as if Dragon Force One was like a big budget game, and this one was like a straight to video release sequel do you know what i mean like it was that's that actually kind a good of a... analogy for it yeah exactly it felt like right it felt like this was like the oh but I, honestly the way that the game lined up it seemed that way because a lot of people that were on the project like moved on or moved to a different company that worked on the previous one because even though the first one was a mess it felt you know, a little bit more cohesive this one felt like it, it was a different company that made it like it actually felt that way to me you know what i think it is 
And well, I, haven't pl- I haven't played Dragon Force 2. But, you know, Masahiro Akishino is still in hiding. They couldn't find him. They yeah, couldn't exactly, find the cave. exactly. He 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 could he couldn't send. He couldn't uh, pull him out. Yeah, he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't at least like nice guy Ted Chikinsky them and assisting a pipe bomb, sending plans to make the game better. Right. <laughs> See, exactly. and I mean, you know, it's almost like I. So the the feeling I get. So I, okay, overall, I think it's a good game, but I think Dragon Force One is a great game. You know, um, it's they've taken elements of Dragon Force 1 that were good and tried to make them better. So, for example, there's a heck of a lot more troop types. Like, now there's, um, like, ghosts and flying robots and, you know, all kinds of extra troop types over and above everything you had in Dragon Force 1. And you can have uh, more than one troop type per general on the battlefield. So any single general can have, for example, soldiers and cavalry, or they could have harpies and zombies or whatever. So it becomes a lot more mix and match. But adding all those extra troop types, as well as the combination of troops, like that just makes the game a heck of a lot more complicated than it needs to be. Because Dragon Force 1 was very sort of arcadey in its... um, in its like in the way it flowed, like it was fast, like you know you didn't have to wade through a thousand menus, but with Dragon Force Two, even though there isn't that many menus, it's a heck of a lot more complicated. And I don't know, Pat, did you ever get into the crafting uh, aspect of the game? Because that's that's a new aspect. You can go into these caves, and you kind of go deeper and deeper into these caves, and these caves are all over the map. And if you make it to the very bottom of the cave and you know, fight off the goblins there or the goblin general, then you get like minerals and ores and all kinds of crap. And you can, or all kinds of items, I should say, and you can craft them into items like weapons or, you know, pins that might give your general some stats or whatever. And again, like it's cool, but it takes away from the flow of the game. It's almost, you've got like two separate game types that are kind of forced together i don't know if you encountered that or what you thought of that but it was sort of flow breaking to me i didn't mess with that too much i mostly just tried to play vanilla but maybe that might have been why i found it so hard because i didn't really discover that per se Uh so maybe if i worked Uh with that a little bit more it would have been a little bit easier for me to play the game but no i didn't sadly yeah it's you know it's like again if you were to take dragon force 2 on its own with no experience of dragon force 1 it's a good game. It's sort of, you know, maybe a good analogy would be if you've ever played Castlevania Symphony of the Night on the Saturn before you ever played it on the PlayStation. You know what I mean? It's a good game. It's a solid game. It's got some good parts to it. But but the the alternative is just so much more refined, so much more polished, I guess. So, again, it's, it's like this is Lion King 2, whereas Dragon Force 1 was Lion King 1, which is huge, of course, right? It's that kind of a, a feeling, anyways. Was, would that mean that Lion King 1.5 would be Tactics Ogre? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Be, being, being the one that the fans like the most, even though the mainstream, the mainstream audience like the, the original, but uh, the original Ogre battle, per se, but the, Tactics Ogre is the, the fan, fan favorite at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it. you know, and I'm kind of glad that obviously we got Dragon Force 1 localized, and I don't think that we were missing out as much by not getting Dragon Force 2. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm super excited that there's a fan translation because I've now been able to play it in English, and that was a bit of a childhood dream come true. But it's almost like you've got this massive anticipation that this game is going to be just the most amazing thing ever, and it kind of isn't. It's good, but it's not amazing. I guess you, is kind of how I would underline that. 
would you say fans of the original should they at least check it out oh yeah no question no okay. question they should because there are like i said there have been they the developers did take a look at what sort of wasn't quite working or what could be made better from the original and they did their best to try to fix it and you know there are some uh improvements to it i mean even the user interface is nicer and and some of the graphics look better but there's definitely going to be people that tried and and maybe aren't as big of a fan of the second game as they were of the first play it and try it out and yeah it is not as good but it's still a good game like if, if Dragon Force is a 10 out of 10, this would be an 8 out of 10, or maybe a 7 out of 10. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's yeah. worth your time to play. It's, it's, no, it's no Mr. Bones, that's for sure. So it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Jurassic Park 2, but it's, at least it's not Jurassic Park 3. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yep. And it's definitely nothing like the, the latest Jurassic Park either, which is even <laughs> that's worse. That's good. Have you guys it, even seen that? It's so bad, dude. We, yeah, we I've, saw I've it opening night. so many bad things for it. It was like... Like I, I I enjoyed the process of watching it. It's you know that when you rethink everything after the movie, you're like, wait, they really dropped the ball here, 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 and yeah. here. Like, yeah, yeah. And the CGI, some of the CGI was horrible, like Sci-Fi oh, really? Channel quality here and there. Like, oh. they dropped hundreds of millions of dollars in this, and they couldn't get decent writers or decent CGI people. It was nuts. In all honesty, gotcha. I kind of I kind of think it, it captured the spirit of the original Jurassic Park trilogy. Really, well, each one gets progressively worse until the last one is the worst thing ever. Maybe I'm like not, you know, a normal person for thinking this, but I really like the second Jurassic Park a lot. Second one's got its charm. It's it's sort of like a, I mean, it's definitely not as bad as uh, as the second Jurassic the Jurassic World movie, but no, for sure, for sure. But no, like like the, but I think yeah, like I said, I think Jurassic Park's. I, I tried to think of the best analogy I could, so. And I'll want to see I'll probably have to rewatch it, but I never really thought Jurassic Park 2 was that bad. No, it was great. I loved it. Especially the end. But that's not Tactics Ogre. Nope. We, the, the only thing that's going to be clung together there is the bodies of all the people eaten by the dinosaurs. That's right. <laughs> but uh, anyways, the, the last thing I want to talk about really is, is the music. It was composed, ironically enough, by Hayato Matsuno, who previously worked on Ogre Battle for the Super Nintendo. So I thought that was kind of funny he also did work on nights in the dreams shinmu one and two and then several other high caliber games and anime so another really good musician in charge of the soundtrack here exactly exactly so so yeah it, while it wasn't the original composer it's still a fantastic composer and they know their stuff like the music of this game also is excellent the opening theme with the 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 sort of it reminded me of i am the wind and symphony very great <laughs> anime-esque like pop song intro so i thought that was great I like that song. I like Same. I the Ditto. I know. Yes, I love it. Nice. I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> I, I said it's like it as in it's like, you know, the the, the game, the anime-esque game. That has the same the, vibes. Yeah. The same vibes. Yeah. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. no, I love I Am The One. That's one of my favorite video game songs probably. I'll do time. a sing-along. I'll do uh, a sing-along. <laughs> I, I'm good. We, we'll pass on that one. <laughs> Save that for the blooper reel at the end. Yeah. Exactly. But no. Uh, yeah. But I really enjoyed the th- that opening theme of it. I thought it was really beautiful and... Maybe want to listen to Iron Wind again, and actually, I don't know. I kind of want to. After all this this playing of these games, I think I'm gonna after this cast, I'm gonna go to some game stores because I've been kind of jonesing and maybe finding something maybe special or rare or something, or maybe not. Maybe I'll just look at games and just cry that I have to pay three hundred dollars for any decent Saturn game. Gex sixty four. That'll be sixty four hundred dollars, please. 
Yeah, that th- thanks. Uh, what was it? Who's the who's the guy? Uh, uh, the guy that looks like the kid from Spider Man. What's his name? A uh, Scott? No, Scott the Waz. Scott the Waz. But uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, getting back to that. But yeah, that's probably what's gonna happen. I'll pay a thousand dollars for a game. But but anyways, uh, I guess back back to the point. The music's fantastic. Um, yeah, music's good. <laughs> did you guys have any uh any thoughts on the music? I think that's. Yeah, no, you know what? Like, I think you're right. Um, it is a, it is one of the high points of the game. Um, I guess if I compare it to the first one, though, just like much of the rest of the game, it seems to lack that like dramatic, glorious sound to it. It's 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 a lot more sort of subdued and uh, nuanced in in parts. But I like it. It's good. And God said it was good. So any other thoughts, Peter, or anybody else before we move on to our Center and Obscura title? Um, I'm just going to say, for those of you that have not played the first Dragon Force, you really owe it to yourself to give it a try. It is a fantastic game. It is one of the Saturn's best. And we will have a link to Chaz's fantastic video uh, you know, up in our podcast description. So so please give it a try. And if you are a Dragon Force lover, then, then by all means give number two a shot. It is a solid game. Alrighty, so to move on to our Saturn Obscura title, this time we've chosen uh, the game that I think is probably the closest to it, but kind of not really, but kind of, yeah, is uh, Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen for the Saturn. This game was originally developed for the Super Nintendo by uh, Quest Corp, uh, sadly folding in 2003, but having other se- several members work on other such titles as... Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, Vagrant Story, and Final Fantasy XII. I, I, I failed Roman numeral classes. I'm kind of bad. Uh, but the Quartz Corporation also worked on such games as Magical Chase, one of Dave and I's favorite shooters, and of course the Tactics Ogre series, which is also kind of interesting in that nature. Another fun tactic game that we hopefully will play one day on the Saturn and hopefully will cover on the podcast. So I'm a big fan of it. Uh, so the original Ogre Battle was released on March 12, 1993 on the Super Famicom Japan and then July of 1995 in North America. And the ironic thing about this, I actually did own it. Uh, I actually had a copy of it, but I played it and was not a big fan of it back in the day. And I traded it for, I think, Sparkster, I think. Or was it, did I sell it for something else? I can't remember. But anyways, I no, I traded, I traded Spar- uh, uh, Sunset Riders for Sparkster and I think I... I think I just traded it for another game. I can't even remember what game it was. Maybe it was a Pokemon game or something. But the point is, I I didn't like it back then. I kind of regret it a little bit, but I kind of don't since I already have it on the Mister. So, oh well. Uh, it was later ported uh, a couple of years later by Art Art Dink in September of 1996 in Japan and localized by Atlas USA in July 1997 for the PlayStation, which uh, had some uh, features, uh, larger text boxes, and other graphical changes and improvements and Quality of life fixes. And uh, are you guys ready for the most common story of all time? The story you've probably heard thousands of times. It was ported on the Saturn and developed by Riverhill Soft in November 1996, 
which added voice acting into the game, even as limited as it was, which the PlayStation 1 actually did not have. And of course, say it all with me, it never was released in, in America. In America. Was not wah, localized. Wah. Was not localized <laughs> or as Canada. Per usual. R.I.P. But uh, funnily enough, years later, uh, it was actually shadow dropped by uh, Team Medusa in April 11th of this year, 2022, the year of our Lord Sagata. Hell yeah. Yes. And that is by Paul Met, Aisha, Pennywise, and Ryusi. Big thanks. Big Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. And the voice acting is actually pretty good. I actually like the addition to that game. It actually is a really good title. I remember uh, we played a little bit and talked about it on the Shira show. Really great title. Really enjoyed it. I highly recommend if you haven't played it on the Saturn that you play it. And the only reason why we added it is because we can now play it and experience it. So, uh, like I said before, let's talk about that it had a similar overworld, overworld vibe to Dragon Force in which uh, you go across different maps, take over people, go into battles, you know, fight halfway midway through. I thought it was kind of an interesting uh, perspective. But uh, the difference in this one is that it uses a turn-based RPG style battle and actually uses card-based tactics with it. So using cards, I think they're all tarot cards to gain extra attacks, buffs, or uh, just in gen- just using general abilities in battle. Which that was pretty fun. Have any of you guys ever tried or played or heard of or seen anything about Ogre Battle at all? No, not yet. I mean, since it's patched, um, it's certainly on my list of games to try out. Uh, but you know, having enjoyed what I've played so far in Dragon Force, uh, of course, the battle looks slightly different in Ogre Battle because it's not as wide and expansive and, you know, giant hordes of armies tanking each other. But yeah. um, but it still looks, I mean, it's a similar vibe. It's definitely worthy of talking about in a Dragon Force cast. Exactly. I really enjoyed it. Any of you guys are, any, any other guys ever play it, like either for the SNES or Super Nintendo? I played three incarnations of it, Super NES, Saturn, and PlayStation, and I own all three. <laughs> Go well, this it. is your guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what yeah, would, yeah, you, would f- you think, as a as a master of Dragon Force, and a, I guess I don't know what your level of an ogre battle, I'm, I'm assuming master, I'm not to say master. Oh, Just, no, you'd be completely wrong. I've never finished it. Okay. Well, what were your thoughts? For me, it's Dragon Force all day, every day. Because with Ogre Battle, as much as I like what it does, the maps, uh, and completing the objective in question... For everything you do in that game, for every positive, there's also a negative. For instance, if uh, if you keep playing the game with the same certain army because that army is really powerful and it's and it's helping you out a lot, the game will actually punish you for that. It's an up and down system. Everything you do in that game that you think you do right has a negative consequence that goes with it, which is essentially what turned me off to playing Ogre Battle. So by that nature, the game will, tries to encourage you to use different armies. But I don't want to use different armies because the one I already have is getting the job done just fine. So the game essentially punishes you if you're playing it a certain way it doesn't want you to. So I ultimately didn't stick with it, which is I think is unfortunate because aside from that, I actually like the game for what it is. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I definitely think it, it is kind of only that punishes for something that, you know, would that, that Dragon Force actually would encourage you to do. But I, I, like I said, I, I did like it. I don't know, like playing both of them, I can't tell you which one I like more. I'm going to cop out and just say I like them both equally for different reasons and different aspects. And they both have their negative and positives to them. But oh, they both overall, win. yeah, it's it's a little cop out. But I mean, come on, yeah. 
but I, I just really enjoyed both of them for different reasons. If I had to pick one, though, I think I might have enjoyed the battling and, and Dragon Force a little bit better, just slightly, and edged it out. But I do like the, I do really enjoy a lot of the turn-based and the tarot card mechanics inside of uh, Ogre Battle. Just my thoughts on it, though. What about the, what about you got the rest of you guys? Yeah, I haven't played Ogre Battle, so Dragon Force is better. <laughs> uh, that works for me. Alrighty, so yeah, I uh, I thought the visuals though might be a little bit lacking. I mean, it at the end of the day, you have to keep in mind that this is a SNES game that got ported to PlayStation, that got ported to Saturn. So at the end, at the end of the day, you have to take it for what it is and understand that this is a essentially a lot of the graphics and styling is SNES, and it's just like a get, visuals have to be kept in mind. But I kind of liked it for what it was. I thought it looked really visually great, and the graphics are pretty decent for what it was. And yeah, I think the visuals are pretty good. Did you have any issues with the visuals at all, or Chaz? Uh, no, no. I thought the game looked fantastic, and I love this. And I love the soundtrack that uh, Hitoshi Sakamoto did with Ogre Battle. I love how it looks. I love how it sounds. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just a mixed bag with how it plays. That's fair. And uh, I was going to talk about the music, but again, again, it's it was composed again by Hayato Matsuro, like we talked about above. And yeah, the music was pretty good. I liked it. It seemed like a, it seemed like a reimagining of a lot of the SNES stuff, but it it, it sounded really good. I wish I could Wait, go I got, more. I got it wrong. That wasn't Sakamoto. What for 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 Ogre Battle? Yeah, I thought I thought Sakamoto composed Ogre Battle. Did I have it wrong? I don't know. I, I looked up Hayato Matsuro that did uh, Ogre Battle, but I could. Maybe he did a different version of it. Oh, well, I'll have to look that up real quick. Maybe, huh? Learn We're talking now. about the March of the Black Queen, yeah? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm just looking at Wikipedia. The composer is Masaharu Iwata, Hitoshi Sakimoto, and Hayato Matsuo. Okay, so there's three different composers in that case. Okay, I, I got that wrong. There we go. My well, bad. We both got it right. Yeah, we're, 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 we just are missing information. There, there is a little bit missing from each of us. Yeah, I but, thought it was just Sakamoto and no one else, but there you go. Yeah, so yeah, P- Peter set us straight on the path. Thank you, Peterson. Arigato. But yeah, uh, overall the music was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I guess now we know what Sakamoto worked on. Sakamoto also worked on such games as Ta- the Tekus Ogre series, Valkyria Chronicles, Final Fantasy twelve as well. Man, there's a lot of crossover with this. And of course, you know, Tactics Ogre, Let's Clean the Battle, and all these other great games. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of different composers for that. And really good music. Really good music uh, combined all to make a fantastic soundtrack. Sakimoto did uh, Radiant Silver Gun as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know you're right. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yep. They're just getting all the good composers for these games. It's kind of crazy. But yeah. Uh, did anybody have anything else on Ogre Battle before we close it out? You know, it's a game I haven't played, but uh, because of the recent translation, like I was saying, uh, I should have some extra time coming up to coming up fairly soon, and it's a game that I definitely want to at least give its fair shake. So based on what you guys have said, it is something that I'm definitely going to be interested to at least look at and just try it out, you know? Yeah, sounds good. No, it's really good. Uh, hopefully, it'll. I can't remember if it was if it was the the Saturn best of Saturn yet or not. I can't remember. 
if you did you know i'm pretty yet. sure it was but see that's the thing like sometimes if it's games that i haven't had too much experience with i cheat a little bit and i either use um like rolling demos or whatever and i just grab screenshots that way so i know i featured it and i've read a little bit about it but i i've not yet played through it so i've got to get on that sounds good all right Alrighty, so uh, before we go, we wanted to uh, want to thank uh, everyone for coming on the podcast. Today. I want to thank Chaz for coming on. Did you have anything you wanted to plug before we headed out? Come join me over at twitch.tv slash Game Master Chaz. That's all one word. I'd love to have you guys over there. And uh, can't wait to do more stuff with all of you. This this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Also, make, make sure to as well check out Pandemonium's YouTube channel. Uh, he has a lot of good videos coming up, a really good video that might take you a couple couple days to watch it fully if you don't have a lot of time on your hands or will be an all-nighter if, or your whole night if you want to watch that. It's being split into five chapters, so people wow. that don't want to watch the whole thing, it will make sense to segment it across multiple viewings. That works. I got a shout out to, I got a shout out to you Nick. I've left this tab open the entire time we've been on this episode. Nick currently has appear, appears to have every record for steep slope sliders on speedrun.com <laughs> right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's me and one other guy who's running Yeah, it's the like game. Just, just two players, yeah. <laughs> Please play so yeah, steep slope sliders. Yeah, so there's a shout out for you there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, beat my runs. Someone, someone go beat him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to just add our score. We'll just have a whole Shiro crew have our scores on there just for lulls. There you go. But uh, yeah, and also take a check out Peter's uh, Peter's articles on the site. He has a ton of really good ones, and his best of Saturdays he, he releases every Wednesdays. Uh, he's got I think a big load of them coming up, so I'm excited to see what he has in store for us. To talk about on the Shiro show. And then, of course, me and Dave's uh, The Shiro Show every Friday at 2.30 p.m. PST. Unless that ch- time changes for some reason. Usually usually it barely changes. It's usually they've been the same for about the last year or so. But you, you never know. Sometimes stuff happens. We have to change up the times a bit. But uh, with Daylight Savings Times, it should be always 2.30 p.m. PST. And it won't change for me, at least, in Arizona. So that'd be nice. Thank you, Congress, for passing that law. So now I don't have to go back to it, that archaic system ever again. So thank you very much, Congress. Shouts out to our Congress system. Doing at least one thing right in the last couple of years. One. But just just one thing. I'll give it at least one. One and a half, maybe. But anyways, uh, uh, but yeah, besides that, uh, before we go, I want to also thank our patrons. We have... Uh, a lot of patrons we have uh, for, our v- for these will be our v- VIP patrons. We have a Murder Crows, Blue Moon ninety five, Cerulean, Emerald Nova, Johannes Fetz, and Nate Lawrence at our VIP tier of packages. With Nate Lawrence being a new one that came just like yesterday, I was really shocked right after the show. That was show, like so. right after the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's a big one too. Shout out Nate, and also thank you to everybody on the last show for all the donation, the super chat donations in the chat. We just re-enabled those, so if you guys want to give us props on there you can it's not necessary of course but you know we really appreciate that and we'll do crazy stuff for you if you do like we'll sing a song or play with our dollies you know (laughs) one of the two but uh 
after the, the after that the, we have the all access patrons at Derek, A Team, uh, Jim Clash or Rank, uh, King Gidra, Momphis, Normal Guy, Newt Rages, Robert Ramsey, Rowan Dinched, Shadow Mask, Chineki Trev, and Young Money Sawi. And if you want to get so shout out, so we. So if you want to get shout out on the uh, podcast or the Shiro Show, you can back us at the ten dollar and above level. Uh, that will give you a shout out on the Shiro Show or the podcast. Uh, if you want to support us uh, financially, but you can't do it on a regular basis, you can check out our Threadless store at Threadless on our website. It should be sixcentshiro.threadless.com or just on our Shiro Show. You go in the tabs and type in hit our store button. But that should have all our cool shirts, all our cool designs, our Shiro Show shirts, our uh, our cool uh, Sagata, our controllers, and a lot of other cool designs and our uh, podcast designs as well. So those are very neat shirts. I would highly recommend buying those. And if and if you can't support us financially, you can always support us by sharing us out, liking, subscribing, commenting, joining us on our Discord, and chatting with us, and uh, you know, being cool, sharing sharing out cool links, letting us know on news. So yeah, uh, feel free to hop in and become part of the community. We're here waiting for you to hop in and talk with us, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun, and we have a ton of a crazy time. So yeah, for sure. Thank you guys again for all the support and much love, of course. And then, of course, all the other guys on the podcast, thank you as well for all the Thanks love. Thanks for having me. Exactly. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, for sure. All righty. And with that, uh, that's it for our show today. And remember, you must... Play Sega Saturn. Now there's transition music. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, that's fair. Metal Jesus? A Scott? No, Scott the Waz. Scott the Waz. Metal Jesus does not look like Tom Holland. Although I do. Really much enjoy what just happened. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Yes, Metal I'm just Jesus. picturing Metal Jesus as Spider Man. 
it, it's it's like it's like okay guys so check out this rare this this rare and obscure uh obscure spider-man villain <laughs> hidden gem villain number hidden two villain. mysterio <laughs> number two will surprise you 